1: Welcome once again. This is the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by none other than Frances Tomas. And of course, that is the Frances Tomas scene on ESPN and Blog, as well as myself, Dan Hilton, from the Blog team. We're delighted you're here to join us again, listening for an opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No, Now, Frances, you and I have been on holiday for a little bit, as we currently are, but that doesn't stop the Barcelona Podcast from being recorded now the one thing that you and I, while we may be on holiday, we aren't necessarily running away from the Neymar story, but let me tell you, Frances, it has been nice to not have to hear about it, but here we are talking about it again.
2: I think it is impossible in this day and age not to talk about Neymar, and that is definitely what our listeners want to hear, so that's what we're going to do. Not that we're not bored of the story, so we're going to start with Neymar, then we're going to move on to José Maria Bartomeu, who's been saying some weird things um, that we need to unpick. And we're going to end up with our questions, so let's get started.
1: Yeah, Frances, it seems like our followers have been telling us that, and no matter what paper you read or look at in Paris, in Barcelona, in Brazil, so many different media outlets are telling you different things that Neymar has already signed, is staying at Barcelona, or is going to PSG, when he's going to PSG, whether he's in Dubai, whether he's in China, whether he's in Barcelona, whether he's going back to Brazil... It seems that no one knows where Neymar is and whether or not Neymar is actually leaving Barcelona. Now, we can try to assess some of the different things. Now, it seems like since the last time you and I spoke, Francis, and the last time that our listeners had us on the podcast, that he's had a recent fight with Nelson Semedo, where he's also getting very testy in the three friendlies that we saw that while Barcelona had wins and Neymar did so much of the scoring, he still seemed to have trouble keeping his positive energy flowing, if you will. And either way, Frances, whether or not Neymar leaves or stays, which of course is the big idea right now, this thing that is currently happening with Neymar, I think is a pivotal moment for the future of Barcelona, whether or not he is in or out. And again, not necessarily because Barcelona need to keep him, but if they need to replace him, how they replace him could be the most important move now, post-Messi, that we're going to see in quite some years. Without a doubt, you're definitely right. I think whatever Neymar does now is going to affect
2: a club future. Um, I'm very disappointed about the way that he's handled this whole situation. Um, I really, to be honest, expected better from a player that has had everything from the fans, everything from the club and everything given to him from the moment he got to us. Fair enough, he's done his point as well. He's performed really well. He's been very professional in terms of working alongside Messi Um, you know, his relationship with Suarez, the rest of the squad has been exemplary. He always used to sort of speak up um, of his admiration for Messi and and his teammates, the fact that he loved the city, blah, 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 blah. blah. Then he just turns around this summer and decides that he wants more money. He has an offer from PSG, which he obviously had last year as well. And he decided that that's what he was going to go after And now it's very likely that he's going to leave. And to be honest, I think it's a situation of no return now. There's no way he can stay now, considering all the damage he's done. He has damaged his own reputation in front of the eyes, to be honest. Personally, I would say in the eyes of the whole world, uh, because the way that he's handled this, honestly, if you're not from Paris, I don't think you're very, very impressed at all. And um, I think it's very sad to see that he's ruined all the legacy that he's built over five years Um, in exchange for quite a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, money is important. But I think once you're earning in the sort of level that he is, earning a little bit more shouldn't make that much of a difference. But, you know, if he's that interested in earning a little bit more and being the number one person in a club with, with with all due respect within the fifth best league in Europe, if that, then so be it.
1: I've definitely changed my tune, and it's taken some convincing from you as well for me to kind of have to say that, while obviously people would agree that Neymar as a talent is irreplaceable at Barcelona. Barcelona, for any amount of money, just isn't going to get the same talent in one position by losing Neymar. That said, I think in the recent last two weeks, Neymar, and particularly Neymar's father, have done certain things and said certain things and conducted this business in such a way that I think there are relationships that cannot be repaired between Neymar and the club, whether or not the club would be willing to keep him at this point, and for Barcelona, they just are gonna have to now get as much money as they possibly can out of this. The one question, though, that I think you can give a lot of light to, as opposed to just trying to read some kind of fabricated article, the big thing here that could still be in the way, because. As we are talking about, Neymar is going to PSG. Neymar wants to go. Barcelona is now at a point where I think they've accepted that he's going. And everyone's kind of happy with the way this is going to happen. I mean, of course, Barcelona is upset with the way it's happening. But PSG is going to have Neymar soon enough. That said, the one thing that could stop it is financial fair play. That PSG just can't be spending that much money unless they are selling players and making up the money that they're losing from buying Neymar
2: yeah um financial fair play is something that was put in place precisely to avoid the situation that we got here it's um clubs that cannot sort of self-sustain themselves and they have to go into sort of petroleum and oil and all sorts of weird money coming from dubious places which obviously is the case uh, with psg and that's that's the situation we're in if psg think that what they're doing is legit then fantastic go ahead do it and um pay up and get, get them out for you uh, in the next, say, five five years. But from, from, our, from our perspective, it's not a fair way to do it and it shouldn't be happening. But if PSG think that they're doing the right thing and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, then they should just go ahead, complete the transfer and then face the consequences, which will definitely come their way. But I think beyond all the money business, what I'm really disappointed about is the fact that a player that, has been given everything in our club, has decided to just leave us for no particular reason other than getting paid more money. And that that is what Barca needs to sort of really analyze in a lot of depth. Why is this player that has had everything from us needed to go? Is there anything else the board could have done to keep him happy in the club? Is there any more nurturing he could have had? Or was this always their plan when they came over from Brazil, doing four or five years here, then doing four or five years elsewhere to end up wherever... Um, they end up which as I said in the previous podcast is most likely going to be Real Madrid and um, I just say a little sort of aside here I don't know if you realized um, that in the recent classical that was played in Miami a couple of days back Neymar actually ended up spending the after game in the Real Madrid dressing room he went there for 15 minutes and came out with two shirts which I'm assuming they were like Marcelo or um, even Sergio Ramos but regardless, that is not something you do after a classical. So I think he's taken advantage, For not saying a different word, out of all of us. And uh, I think he's, he's, um, his disrespect is clear for everyone to see. So the best way for him is out. But as I said before, we need to really look at the reasons behind this transfer. Is someone of that caliber, of that quality, and of that sort of appreciation in, within our fan base decides to go? there has to be something wrong somewhere that we
1: need to analyze. That's a really good point about the El Clasico dressing room. Now, what I've talked about before, when we talked about the relationship between Gerard Piquet and Sergio Ramos, so many times you have players on Barcelona and Real Madrid playing together for the national teams. And as we've said, these are just competitors and while the competition itself between Barcelona and Real Madrid is a fierce one and during those matches there is heated passion and you expect those players to give everything they have but at the end of the day they are just players and they are just people and they're allowed to be friends with each other but as you mentioned Frances right after the Clásico and in particular before the Clásico even you don't conference and you don't associate yourself with the other team. They can go out for dinner afterwards when the players are out of uniform, out of the dressing rooms, and away from their teams. Because as, we, as you had mentioned, Marcelo and Neymar are good friends. So they can have dinner tonight that night in Miami. Sounds delightful. But you're right. For the time being, you should never go into particularly your rival dressing room. Now to that point, another thing that rubs me the wrong way about this entire Neymar thing isn't even the player himself. It's his father And the way that Neymar Sr. really has made this seem like nothing more than a business transaction in that it doesn't seem to be dealing in any way with Neymar's winning trophies. It doesn't seem to deal with, um, well, should we say Neymar Jr. In Neymar Jr.'s winning of trophies or Neymar Jr.'s want to play or where he wants to play, it merely comes down to the bottom line, the dollars, the euros, how much Neymar Jr. and Neymar Sr. in particular is going to be getting out of this. This appeared as in a Neymar post while on a plane to Dubai. He had this, you know, very vague, as he's been doing on social media recently, has very vague about whether or not he's wanted where he's wanted and things like that and where we find ourselves and all the things about the essence of being. But this coming just hours after Barcelona decided not to pay his father the 26 million euros that it appeared that it owed him, putting it on ice with the notary until the situation between the transfer of Neymar is finally resolved, and clearly the Neymars are upset with that transaction not happening of the 26 million euro. But for me, you are a Lakers fan, Frances, so you're going to be seeing a whole lot of this. With the U.S. equivalent would be Lavar Ball and and his son Lon- and his son Lonzo on on the on the Lakers. And for me, being in the U.S., I mean Lavar Le- Ball never played in the NBA like, yet he is everywhere. He has just become this gigantic brand as merely just a dad of an NBA player that hasn't played a single game yet. It's all about branding. It's all about money. It's all about just yelling a whole lot and making yourself be known. And so to me, it reminds me a lot of that where Neymar Sr. Does, isn't letting Neymar Jr.'s play do the talking or his own desires. It just seems to be all about money and all about brand and all about the Neymars. And that's the part of it that has now in the last week really begun to rub me the wrong way.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, if you're a professional player that has so much following and you play arguably the best team in the world, you shouldn't really be listening to whatever your dad is saying. I mean, you have to listen because obviously he's your agent and also his family. But I think as a grown man, as a grown adult, you, you make your own decisions. And uh, I do realize a lot of people are sort of blaming the dad for Neymar's for mass action. But ultimately, in this moment in time... Neymar Sr. is an employee of Neymar Jr. And you have to take it like that. If I am a professional player and I'm playing for Barca, you can give me all the money in the world. I'm not leaving. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm getting paid, say, 100 euros a month and you offer me 7 million, then probably I would consider it. But when you're getting that amount of money a year, it, it, at, at that level, it shouldn't really make that much difference. You know, I think the legacy as a footballer has to be how many titles you win, how many World Cups you win, how many Champions League you win. It's not going to be about how much money you made in the bank. And if that is what you're after, then then so be it. You know, then people are different. You need to respect people in their own sort of making their own decisions and being their own person. But the vast majority of footballers would kill to be in the position that Neymar is in, being part of the best front three in football history, um, working alongside Lionel Messi on a, on a daily basis. Luis Suarez as well is someone who the, both of them, Suarez and Messi, They've been so generous. They've adapted their game to Neymar's skills. You know, Messi is not really a winger anymore. He is he, a bit of a playmaker in order to create more spaces for both Suarez and and Neymar. So, if if what he's after is money, then then so be it. You know, but I think blaming the dad for for Junior's decision, Neymar Junior's decision, I, I just don't buy it as an argument. And I know that a lot of people have been sort of blaming ne- Neymar Sr. for the decisions that the son is making. But as a professional, as a person, once you hit a, a certain age, you have to make your own decisions. And you can be using your dad as a shield, whether that's your agent, whether he's your, that's just part of your family.
1: I just don't buy it. Well with the exodus of Neymar from FC Barcelona, that could leave some room for younger players and academy players coming from La Mazilla. And that brings us right into topic number two, and a story that I think Barcelona would love to not have in the tabloids and this new rivalry that seems to be going on between the board and former players and current players even, where Josep Maria Bartomeu had a number of different things to say about how the problem is Xavi and Iniesta and Messi, he said, and those players. And this is just speaking in response to a question about why there doesn't seem to be many academy players coming up through Barcelona's system anymore. And I'm going to let you take, usually it's me who gives the hot take first, but I want you to take the hot take on this one merely because I think that there needs to be a different framing to this question.
2: All right. Okay. So basically what Martomeu is saying is that Xavi, Iniesta and Messi are problems. I said it's very difficult to be a player when you have in front of you a Messi or Neymar or Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets or Pique. It's very difficult to be there. Um, Chavi said go slowly but the problem is actually Chavi. this is Bartomeu talking he said he created the problem and Iniesta and Pique who's going to be the new Messi well probably other players will be Messi but they have to leave our club because it's impossible now that honestly I I do understand what he's trying to say what he's trying to say is that the players in the first team are so good that the youngsters trying to come through the academy have some sort of a ceiling in front of them and um, they have to develop elsewhere first in order to come back. And, and that's, that's understandable. That's an argument that, you know, you can sort of go with. But the way that he phrased it is so negative. You know, you can never... I mean, honestly, you can never say that Xavi and Iniesta and Messi, arguably three of the top 10 players to ever play the game, are a problem. They're never a problem. They are a blessing. They are the reason why Barca have been so success, successful in the last 10, 15 years. They are the reason why we're making this podcast because people wanted to listen to what's going on in the club. If it wasn't for Xavi, Niesta and Messi, we probably wouldn't even have a job ourselves here. So it's just, it's all to do with phrasing. You know, Bartomeu has lost a lot of credibility over the years, obviously go to the club, um, link to Rossell, who is now um, about to go to jail. Uh, Obviously that's, that's not finalized yet, but you know, he's in and out. He's yeah. Dodgy, dodgy business. Uh, dot com, I think that that's called now, but um Bartomeo came as a second to Rosell and um he only took over because Rosell left the club, and ran away, um God knows why he ran away, um probably something dodgy was happening as well. So he's got very little credibility, but he doesn't make himself any favors by by blaming Xavi, Pique, and Iniesta of being a problem for Barca. And he could just say it in a very positive way say. You know, our players are so great that youngsters find it hard to come through and then he would have saved himself a problem. But it's it's just baffling to, to see that someone who is meant to be leading our club or the image in our club in the USA too, or, or worldwide is so incapable of delivering a positive message.
1: Yeah, Frances, I didn't know where you were going to go with that and what you necessarily thought of this, but you hit my opinion with the nail on the head in that. While I agree with what he's saying, he, he has a point and we know what he's trying to say, but you're right. His wording and the choice of words he used couldn't have been more wrong. That it's a great problem to have, but in the same way, it's a problem that still needs a solution. And I think as as the job he has, it's his job title to figure out how to fix that problem. And so far, he hasn't shown that he has an answer to it. You know, and, and that's that's maybe a guy that's fearing job security with... Elections on the horizon. Maybe that's a guy who doesn't have necessarily any answer at all as to how to go about not only helping to foster those players to want to play, but I, I think to that end, what he needs to admit and what the club needs to be focused on is saying that if you have a. The example I'll use is Monaco's recent pickup in Jordi Mbula, who was. 17, 18 years old and looked like he eventually could have been in the Barcelona first team. Now it looks like that he's going to make his way at Monaco. Could, he should be in their first team plans now, immediately. And then where does he go after that? Maybe he'll pick, not necessarily Barcelona, to return to take that next step from Monaco. Maybe he goes to Chelsea or Manchester United or Manchester City. Or he goes to Juventus or somewhere else like that. And it's not guaranteed that he'll come back to Barcelona. That said, I I think now one of the solutions he could provide is that playing at Barcelona fills players with the kind of pride that Xavi and Piquet and Messi have, that even if they were to leave, they would always come back. There's There's a reason that even Xavi was willing to admit that he's finishing his career in Qatar, and then he says that he wants to come back to Barcelona in some capacity. Carlos Puyol has said similar things where if his life ever took him away from Barcelona, his dream is to come back to the club in some some different capacities. To show that kind of passion for the club when you're young, even if those players have to make their way elsewhere, like Sergi Samper, who I can promise you will hear tons about next show, or maybe even coming up in some fan questions on this show. But with Samper, even if he was put out on loan at Granada, and even if Samper had to be sold, if he ultimately wants to make his way at Barcelona that players have to understand from a, a young age that it takes a certain level to get there. And once you reach that certain level, Barcelona should be the club that they want to come back to. And so how do you, as a youth academy, show them that that will eventually, on any long, long and winding road, that will eventually be the place that they should wind up?
2: Yeah. And, and another point as well, if you have been successful in racing players through your academy, then you have a responsibility to give them an opportunity to go into the first team. Say someone like Douglas, for example. Why was Douglas ever signed? You know, you've got Palencia in the B team. Douglas was totally unnecessary. Uh, You've got players such as, for example, Arda Turan that was signed a couple of years back and has proven to be an absolute fiasco and someone who, as as we've seen this transfer window, no one wants at all. You know, we signed him for 35 million a couple of years back and uh, he's delivered zero. Now, if those players that haven't been superstars, haven't been signed, then players like, say, this year would be Alenia, Samper, and even looking back, it probably would have been even Munir and, say, Palencia, maybe Eric Garcia, maybe Embula. They could have had that opportunity, but the transfer, the transfer win- the transfer sort of policy during the previous transfer windows has been quite nonsensical. And for that, Bartomeo needs to tell full responsibility of what's happened and um, to then just blame it on the best players you have. It's just... It just makes no sense to me. It's all about signing world-class stars that are going to improve your first 11. You know, that's why in this podcast, you can go back to episode one, you can go back to episode four and episode 11. We talked about Verratti. We, we talked about Coutinho. We talked about players that can become starters. We were talking about Bellerin earlier in, our, in the summer. Then we talked about Semedo. You know, both of those players would have been additions to the starting eleven that we would have been happy with. Semedo's been signed. Great. But not every player is that Barca has signed in the last, say, two, three years has been to that level. And that is where the whole problem comes from. If you have players coming that are going to do a bench role, you shouldn't have signed them. You should have, you should have trusted your La Masia players to come through and uh, with confidence and all the skills that they've acquired throughout the progression in, in the youth academy, they should have been ready to start. So blaming Chavi, Iniesta and Piqué for the inefficiency of the transfer policy at Barca, it's just not a very clever move from Bartomeu.
1: Frances, I have to say, you may be on holiday, but you are certainly on your game today. <laughs> of course I am. You perfectly articulated what I was about to say next in that, For the transfer policy, I think moving forward, if they want to, we'll say, fix this problem, this is just, again, coming from you and I, where you and I agree on this, and I think a lot of Kool-Aids would agree with us, that I, I think some, and obviously they don't, the board doesn't want to admit to this, but I think moving forward, Barcelona can look at themselves and say a good transfer policy would be not unlike what Real Madrid has been doing for the last two or three years, but a good transfer policy might be for Barcelona to say, If we splash big money on players as in upwards of thirty-five to forty-five million, even what they paid Valencia for Andre Gomez or Paco Acatera or Arta Taran, Alex Vidal, any of those players, the money that was spent on each individual player of those four, if you spend that kind of money, that player needs to go into your starting eleven. That should be that should just be it. And then you need to trust that you have the youth academy and you also have the ability to find these little Six to $10 million pockets of young talent in Spain or elsewhere in France, in Germany, wherever it is, there are players 18 to 22 years old that Barcelona can find to help fill out their bench if the youth academy of, at La Mazilla just doesn't have the depth of certain positions, whereas that's usually not the case. So behind Jordi Alba, you have Lucas Dinia they brought in, but now already you have Marco Cucurella coming busting in with Barcelona B and he's still a teenager and don't forget of course Benfica is enjoying having Alex Grimaldo and Grimaldo thought that he could have been the guy but again it didn't work out but there would have been depth there if he had been the guy to be brought in so losing Grimaldo I think is one of the ones that hurts of course and it just has to do with that policy In that as I said Vidal was brought in to replace Dani Alva that didn't work out now they don't necessarily have a starting eleven right back now you bring in Nelson Semedo. So Nelson Semedo's backup, if he winds up not being Vidal and Vidal winds up being sold off, should not be replaced with another right back. It should merely just be assumed that Sergi Palencia is going to be the backup. Because not that Real Madrid is perfect, and I again, we all hope that the, the players that they are putting great value and trust in wind up not being as good as we think they are, but it seems to me that you look at what Real have done with their recent business over the last two, three years. Teo Hernandez, they brought in 19. Danny Ceballos, as we had talked about before. Marcos Llorente, Boya Moral, and Jesus Vallejo. All of those guys either were sent out on loan or were bought for cheap. All five combined to be 52 million euro. That's the exact same amount that those spent on Tehran and Vidal. Two players that now Barcelona might say, we don't necessarily need them because they just aren't up to that quality. So it's a five player, which are all younger than 22. Uh, Llorente is 22, but the rest are 19 and 20. Then you have Tehran, who's now pushing 30, and Vidal, who's in his late 20s. So for Barcelona, and you're right, Bartomeu has to understand that the fault is his. And from, a, from the, 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 the perspective of a politician, of course, Bartomeu can't just accept fault because if you accept fault in that situation, then he's not going to be reelected. So, Frances, I think the final question on this topic would be, how does Bartomeu possibly communicate with the media that while he has messed up, he will be part of the solution? He can't
2: communicate that because he knows full well that no one would believe in if he said he is the solution. He clearly is not the solution to the problem that, in a way, himself, together with Rossell, have created. Um I think it just... It's going to come to the next election, um, which, you know, it, it is scheduled in a couple of years. But I don't think it's going to be that long. I think someone like Benedito or even Laporta are going to come forward and uh, try and, and make sure that that date is moved forward for them to to apply. It's called Musión de Censura uh, in Catalan, which um, is probably like a vote of no confidence in English. Um, I think that's going to come out fairly soon. I think, to be honest, they should have done it before the summer started. So that the voting would have happened now, so that the, when the season starts, there's some stability at board level. But that didn't happen at all. Um, it's just it's just difficult times at director level at Barca, simply because none of the candidates have got that much credibility. As you know, Laporta was our uh, president for a very successful period, but then th- then you know the the ending was pretty ugly uh, in terms of um, suspected dodginess as well in terms of businesses. Um, the team wasn't being that successful on the pitch. Sandro Rossell came over. Everyone thought that, you know, we've got a president that's going to last for a decent amount of years. Then he ended up being um, sort of talked about in a negative way as well. Decided to run. Bartomeo is obviously linked to Rossell. So it's just, there doesn't seem to be sort of a clean, honest man who can take Barca forward and has enough credibility to do so. And, um, so because of that, it's, it's turbulent times at director level. But I just don't know what the answer is. Like, I'm not going to run for president anytime soon. But um, I think that we need someone who can actually take us into the future and, and sort of stay away from this Rochelle versus Laporta versus Bartomeu battle, which is just hurting the club at every level. So hopefully there's someone out there that can take the club into the future because we we do need it. We do need it.
1: Well, let's get right into our fan questions as we don't have much time left. We've got two that are related to one another. So that'll be the two we go with today. For first, it's, I believe it's Tanay and at high on Iniesta on Twitter. Should Samper be given a chance as of a controlling midfielder? And then related to that from Arsatio or at Arsatio Barca underscore HS on Twitter. Based on the U.S. tour, who deserves a shot at the starting 11, Samper or Elena? And I think the question to this I mean, the answer, excuse me, Frances, to this right now is that, yes, Semper can be a controlling midfielder. And if you're basing it just on what we saw in the friendlies and talking about the conversation we just had about the willingness that Barcelona have had to keep their academy products at the club and on the bench, and by that on the bench, I mean in the squad and giving them a shot. The answer, I think, is Samper has to be given, not a shot at the starting 11. That's Sergio Busquets' spot. But Samper should be on the bench now. He should be the backup to Busquets. Samper is the guy. And Elenia has proven that they don't play the same position. So Elenia, not only just in cups, but Elenia could be seen as a guy who can come in late in the game and get some experience still as a teenager. I I think there's a spot for both of them in the squad this year.
2: I agree with you. I think that considering the league is long, it's 38, 38 different games, um, you've got a game against Madrid and you've got Sevilla, you've got Valencia, you've got Bilbao. But then you've also got sort of the lesser clubs that traditionally other the clubs that are hurting us, to be honest. But um, against clubs in sort of the, say, the fourth quarter of the table, um, there's no reason why Samper shouldn't start. There's no reason why Alenia shouldn't be starting. There's no reason why, say, will would be starting or Alcacer even. You know, I think one of the key factors why Madrid won the league last year, it was the depth And it wasn't necessarily the quality of the squad, which obviously had plenty of quality. It was the fact that the rotation players, the bench players, actually didn't feel like that because they were playing so regularly, they were trusted to take responsibility, they were trusted to step up, and uh, they responded really well to the point that, say, Isco ended up pushing for a starting 11th spot. And uh, in the Champions League final, he started ahead of Gareth Bale, who obviously based on the transfer fee, should have been the sort of de facto starter. So that is something that Barca needs to be looking at doing as well. Um, Samper, without a doubt, was outstanding in the first match of the um, International Champions Cup that we recently won. Then he didn't feature that much in the second and third games, which, t- to be honest, personally, I thought it was a mistake from Alberto's part because he was beginning to shy and feel, feel trusted. So I would have continued with that, but obviously... The manager may have his reasons. Then um, talking about Alenia, I think Alenya was single-handedly the best news for Barca all summer, apart from Messi's extended contract, of course. But uh, on the pitch of what we saw in America and the United States, Alenia was without a doubt the star of the show. He was, in my eyes, far better and far more effective than Denis Suárez. Um, he was playing alongside Busquets playing alongside Iniesta whenever he coincided with Rakitic as well he, he was associating plenty of triangles in the middle of the pitch he was confident he was always looking up for an option he wasn't afraid of shooting on goal whenever needed even from outside the area I thought he was the real deal he's only 19 he's a player that before this sort of um, USA tour happened we thought he's one for the future one to sort of um, be nurtured in Barça, B, taking a, a leading role in Segunda División A uh, under Gerard López. But nah, he needs to be in the first team. He's ready. You know, and, and Rafinha, Suárez, Turán need to be sort of shown the door uh, and be pushed around in terms of how much profit we can get for them because Alenia is taking the spot without a doubt and he has to. He really has to. He's ready and uh, waiting another year would not do anyone any favors and if what we want is La Masia to take a step further and uh, and uh, be dominant in our starting 11 in the first team, then Alenia has to be the example for others to follow.
1: I've been very protective of Denis Suarez, thinking again he is still only 24, just turned 24, and I for a while believe that he's had some of the tools and some of the ingenuity to continue to evolve and be an important piece of the Barcelona puzzle, but... I think what we're seeing from Alenia at his young age is the difference, that Denise Suarez, I think, is good enough to be a squad and bench player for Barcelona, but Alenia is showing early on that he could potentially be a future starter. And as you and I discussed in the very last segment, I think that's a big difference, that if Barcelona can produce some of that starting 11 for from La Mazilla, then even better— um, but just to get squad players is important. And Elenia looks like he's already to be a squad player. But more importantly, he's a future starting eleven player. And as we had talked about on earlier shows, replacing Andres Iniesta is in the next two to three years going to really become priority one. Next to, of course, how do you possibly replace Lionel Messi? Of course you don't. So that question can never be answered. But replacing Iniesta is going to become a really important piece of Barcelona's future in not too long a time. And if Olenya can help to solve that question, that would be, as you had talked about, the most exciting part of the summer and potentially the most exciting part of this next year other than trophies to come in. Now, before we wrap up, Frances, I got one more softball question for you. This is from one of our favorites, at charlie underscore or charlie Barca. Is Vermillion going to stay?
2: It depends. It depends whether he gets an offer. If he gets an offer that um, is beneficial for the club and himself, then he should be going. I think for Marlon, is not going to be a starter. For Marlon, in my eyes, should not really, for the same reasons that we just discussed for Alenia, be ahead of Marlon Eden, You know, it should be Umtiti and PK should be the starters, then Mascherano, then Marlon, and then, to be honest, nobody else. And then I think fifth position really should be whoever is starting a centre-back regularly at Barca B. And I think there's no room in our squad for Mermalen at this moment in time. Um, had he not been injured when he joined the club, maybe his, his, um, his progression, his career at, at the Cam No would have been more successful. But, you know, life is what it is. We can't change the past. He, he did get injured. He's lost his confidence. His loan spell at Roma was a little short of disastrous. And he's got no, no future at Barca. So it just depends on whether someone wants to buy him. And uh, if no one wants to offer any money, then at least we should be able to offload them. Someone else um, paying his his wages. He uh, it just he's got no way, nowhere to go, no way.
1: Well, to add to that, I think the player in Barca B that should be expected in some of those cup, in some of those early cup games, or some of those games that don't have as much meaning, and you need to obviously fill in from the academy would be the Uruguayan defender that Barcelona grabbed in Santiago Bueno. And he's still only 18, so just starring in the U-20 World Cup with Uruguay. I mean, and as we talked about, the, the time for Barcelona may be the time to trust in your youth and trust into your system, and so to see him to be the fifth guy behind the fourth guy, which is Marlon Santos that you had mentioned, it's, the future is now. And we saw Mateo leave, and Famelian shouldn't be too far behind. As I said, the tricky ones being Munir, and as now we've talked about, the one guy to put doubt in our mind was Samper who at the beginning of the summer looked to be on his way out, but seems to have a place now at the club. Well, And that'll do it with fan questions. But right before we go, we do have a nice review. We want to thank Mukel.Tackett for the review that he gave us on iTunes, saying, very professional show with great technical coverage of the team and its players. I'm a new fan, and it has done a fantastic job getting me more familiar with Barca. Well, Mr. Tackett, we do appreciate the feedback. And we want to keep doing these shows and keep working at it. So you can help us out too, heading to iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can rate us, you can like us, and you can subscribe, of course, to help us make new shows and multiple shows a week at that. And that'll continue to help to grow not only the Barcelona community, but more importantly, the Barcelona podcast community. As we wrap this one up, Frances, good talk today with plenty of stuff between Neymar and the Academy, the things people always want to be listening to and we'll have plenty of that on the next show as well and as we always say Forza Barca
2: Forza